following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Buddies and travelers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your Grand Marshal down Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my faithful co-host. He is Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? If you're the Grand Marshal, am I the town drunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could be the town crier, you know, hear ye, hear ye. Another episode of Days Under, but you prefer the town drunk role? Well, that's the one that came to mind. Yeah, it's the benefit in kind of that. And, and listen, there's only ever one marshal on this show. That's, that's true. That is true. I that know. is the original Stagger League. Although, now it is only me because uh, one of the things yes, I want that... to point out, it looks like Stagger Lee is, is gone off commentary now for mm-hmm. good because it's been a few weeks, I think. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, before we launch into all that shite, because this is the fucking appalling episode <laughs> of television. Uh, how have you been, buddy? What have you been up to? As I take a drink, mid-swig there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I- I'm good. Um, it seems like life, like re- reality, has just returned, kind of for me. Yeah. Um, just back into the swing of things, like work, football, fucking going places. The family are going places, things to do. It's just normal. Yeah, it feels like we're we're slowly, the world is slowly coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of just at the end of my busy season now. Um, things are starting to normalize. My manager was like, hey, you've been in a lot while we were doing all these activities and summer camps and stuff. Don't come in for a week and a half. So it has been really good to recharge my batteries. Um, and it meant I could do silly things like stay up to watch Rampage at 3am our time because this is the thing I, th- I think we're like passing ships because you watched the beginning of Triple Mania and then I woke up for the end of Triple Mania yeah yeah I I KO'd sometime after the tag match I can't remember how much I saw after the, the, the tag the, match with the Lucha the, Bros yeah okay yeah and um, I was up not long after that yeah, I stayed, I stayed up. I just absolutely crashed. The problem was that I was like, I was reading, like I was reading stuff while mm-hmm. I, like uh, reading an actual book while I had it on in the background. Um, and the problem with that is at nighttime, if I read a lot, I get sleepy, sleepy because I'm I'm just an absolute <laughs> dad. So I I, had, I I was in that kind of. I'd said this to, to our, our good buddy Chris Damasano from the Strong Style Story podcast where I was like, I am in that territory now where 
the I went down to the couch and I was like the risk like the comfort factor from me moving to my office down to the couch to watch Triple Mania went up skyrocketed but also Mm -hmm. the risk of me and the dog falling asleep on the couch and not being found lunchtime the following morning very high so when I started to feel the eyes going I was like I need to yeah (laughs) I'm I'm a fiend for uh, falling asleep on the couch and waking up at like 4am yeah and just stumbling up to bed, blurry yeah. eyed, like I just picture you like half drained pint of Guinness next to you on your little table and uh, newspaper listen, over the face. <laughs> it, it's not far wrong. <laughs> <laughs> except this, except for the newspaper, it's just yeah. people on Twitter fighting. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did stay up for a rampage because like my, my thing is I've waited was it eight long years now for I think we said it on the last episode, like we're both jazzed about punk coming back and like Punk mm-hmm. is one of my absolute favorites, and I'll be damned if after eight years I'm missing it and waking up and just seeing the gifs and tweets. Like yeah. I'm seeing it live when it happens online. Mm-hmm. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, I, I, I will be up for it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know I'd be right, although it's much more of a commute for me than him. But uh, I, I really felt the the Rich Crate line uh, on the flagship last week where he was saying like, "God damn, I'm going to be there live when he gets like, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like if." the world was back to normal if covid hadn't happened you know i would have been tempted to go and like spend a couple of weeks in chicago uh, over like this and then all out weekend i yeah, really yeah. really would have been tempted um but thankfully for my bank account <laughs> i i can't do that um but yeah that's why like i stayed up i had a great time it was an absolute blast the hour flew by um and I was glad it's I didn't so, stay up. such an easy watch. Such an easy watch. Yeah, yeah. It was it was good. Like, obviously, once Punk is back, it's going to be sparingly that I'm up mm-hmm. at that hour on a Friday night because I, I do work on Saturdays. See, my thing is I will feel tired, like, at one, two. But as soon as it gets to half two, the adrenaline will kick in and be like, yeah. holy shit, we're about to see Punk. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's gonna, and it's going to be one of those, like, rare incredibly positive nights on twitter i i don't want to overstate the hype level but it's gonna be like because it, it, it's tomorrow as people are listening to this because this comes yeah. out thursday night so it comes out about <laughs> 24 hours before he's back it's like it, it's it is like wrestlemania 17 main event kind of hype like you it, might be fading during the night but as soon as that comes on you're like old oh, shit like this is it or what's comparable as well is like um, Money in the Bank 2011. Yeah. Because like one of the most special things about that night, apart from everything, was um, it was a really special night on Twitter. Like I, I remember being on that night and just people losing their goddamn minds for the night. And yeah, it's just going to be incredible. Like I'm, I'm not as interested in the like i know there's been the debate about like what can he really do in the ring anymore at 42 nearly 43 years old genuinely don't care he's never been that guy in ring Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like that's that's not what i'm here for uh like i'm here for good matches i'm still pretty sure he like you know i could be mistaken but i like I, i would be reasonably confident he can deliver good matches um and then what you want is the character work, the promos, the angles, all that good stuff, the whole package. Like, for the work rate guy, we got Danielson coming in next month, probably. Yeah, exactly. So we got that sorted. They seem to be signing every fucking shooter just about, on the planet now. I was just about to say, oh, and by the way, they've just signed Daniel Garcia. 
Have they officially announced? No, them? it's not uh, official, yeah, and it won't much. it won't be made official. But he's pulling out of fucking independent dates. Yeah. He signed. Yeah, yeah, he's signing. Uh, uh, Dan Wheeler. Lambert is, sh- is showing up to Dynamite with Shooters. Yeah. Uh, Wheeler Utah is now yeah. in the best friends with Trent out. Um, who was the third one? Oh, Lee Moriarty is on Dark this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all it's missing, obviously he's under contract, so you won't see him. But all it's missing is Gresham now to just complete the fucking yeah. like. Then it'll be you'll get Jamesy's money for the fight TV every month. <laughs> Actually, no, they'll probably just have it for Danielson. Like, it could be Danielson and no one, and Jamesy is yeah. now going to be an he, AEW. He's going to be in, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be, be in as a... Is like a... Do you remember Homer where uh, the isotopes are independent? Yeah. <laughs> he walks out under the bar straight back in and all the isotopes gear? That's yeah. Jamesy. <laughs> straight away. Yeah, he's going to be, by October, he's going to be defending Jericho angles as being not that bad. <laughs> watch his face uh, good thing he never listens to this oh uh, well we're about to find out <laughs> <laughs> we are about to find out uh, uh, look before we get into it we have a couple of bits of business up top um, the first is um, I suppose it's a first for Days of Thunder Lee and that's a bit of a contest we, we cooked up between us so um, I don't know if anybody has been looking at the timeline, but our esteemed August podcasting network, the PWM Podcast Network, is reaching out to its listeners this month to help keep the lights on. Um, and they're looking for money for, like, obviously to keep the SoundCloud, on which you listen to this fine podcast, uh, and many other on the network. Uh, keep that running and also keep the costs of the... Uh, I assume the domain for the site and, and different bits and bobs that keeps PWOM churning on another 12 months. Um, so, yeah, this is unfamiliar territory for us because we don't usually, um, like, ask the fans for anything. We, we like, we don't paywall any content or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, we you know, we do... This network has been a home to us for almost our entire run and we feel like we want to help out. And we're sure... At this point, I would say the vast majority of our listeners even if they subscribe to us on our own dedicated feed probably heard of us first thanks to pwom or pwo as it was at the time um so where we see an opportunity to help out lee we are we are more than glad to oblige Uh, and we kind of got the heads together today before we hopped on to figure out uh, what can we do how can we um sweeten the pot a little because yeah you know you can go right i'll throw my my couple of dollars this way and, and help them out but we want to incentivize the thunder buddies um so we came up with this idea lee and that is if you donate um five us dollars or more that's less than the the, the value of a more go for more <laughs> that's that's less than the value of a big mac meal uh certainly in ireland anyway um so if you donate five dollars or more to uh the the paypal fund to to keep the lights on for pwom i'll give the details on uh, on how you can do that in a second if you donate five dollars or more and you uh mention days of thunder in the note you send on paypal and then you dm us at wcw thunderpod the the proof of your donation uh, we will allow you to pick a show, a non-canon show, for us to review on a special episode of Days of Thunder. So I'm very wary about the absolute, like, you might you might be really nice to us, you might pick something really cool for us to watch, or you could go completely the other way, and that is, that is, 
That's allowed, I guess. Uh, the, the one thing I will say, so I was going to open this and say, look, it can be wrestling show. It can be any type of show we, we've already covered on it. So, like, we've covered some TV shows. We've covered some mm-hmm. documentaries. We've covered wrestling shows, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would add movies. Um, and um, the one thing I was trying to think, is there anything I want to say? Absolutely, you are not allowed uh, tell us that this is what we have to cover. I'm going to draw the line at pornography. Um, because I know that's something that uh, that OSW <laughs> ran into, where they had to co- they reviewed a couple of por- porn movies. So we're not, we're not going to do that. What? Yeah, they they uh, they reviewed the the sunny porn. Oh no. Yeah. Um. So I'm just going to head that one off at the Parsley. We yeah. are not doing that. This is a no. family friendly show, I'm sure, as you all know. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but yeah, uh, yeah no, anything... th- th- there's limits, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, anyone who bids five dollars or more will get a chance to um, suggest a special episode for us, and we'll do it. Um, we will kind of. We don't know how many people we're going to get in because we were kind of going, oh, will we get a load of people in if we do five dollars, or will people like, ah, oh, fuck that, like. <laughs> Uh, so we'll see how many we get in. We're going to try and dole them out evenly over the next 12 months um, so that there's kind of like we're not giving you just a month where we're not talking WCW. We're just mm-hmm. getting these specials out of the way. And also because this is 1999 WCW and we're going to need to take breathers every now and then. So rather than take a week off the podcast, we'll have these specials in the chamber if people uh, are interested in doing that idea. So if you want to get involved... The email address you need for PayPal is kellyn at uvic.ca. I will put that email address again in the show notes, notes, but uh, kellyn at uvic.ca. Donate five US dollars or more. Uh, Mention the podcast in the the payment note and uh, DM us at WCW Thunderpod a screenshot of your donation and we will... Um, I suppose, you know, uh, depending on how many we get, if there's a bunch of them, we might, like, announce what the specials are so people can look forward to them. Um, but if it's only a couple, we might keep them as mysteries. We'll, we'll see uh, who we get and and <laughs> what the, the special titles are uh, before we the, announce the slate. This could be genius or it could be the end of the show. This who could knows? be the best or the worst <laughs> thing we've ever done, you know? Like I, I was trying to think of like what would be a horrible one, like Heroes of Wrestling or something like that. But yeah. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to point people towards things and make us do it. Um, yeah. Now look, you're right. We we've always like we we joke, we joke about Patreon. We're we're never gonna get a Patreon. I don't think. Um, and we don't like you said, we don't ask for anything from the listeners. But yeah. we th- we think this is a nice little yeah. idea, a nice little incentive. Yeah. Don't yeah, don't be worried that we're heading towards paywalling or anything like that. Um uh, we're both, you know, um lifelong piracy advocates. Uh we, <laughs> we uh we will never charge for this show. Um if ever a thing like this comes up where um like the we'd like you to donate a few dollars to the network or you know to to help us out for a thing, it will always be completely opt in. 
it will be um there will be no content paywalled away from you or anything like that that's not what we're about it's never what we will be about uh, as long as we do this and the fucking audacity of us to try and get people to pay for thunder as well <laughs> <laughs> if we were if we were to take I mean, that road really when you think about it <laughs> yeah yeah honestly the fucking gall of us if we did um so yeah it's just yeah like like lee said it's uh we're keeping the lights on for a network that has helped us out for you know over two years now so um we're giving back it's the, the best way we can think to support them um and you know our, our listeners as we said on twitter this week we would be nowhere without our listeners and mm-hmm. the network is what pointed a lot of you towards us so we thank you and we thank them most deeply for it uh, to segue quite awkwardly from that pledge drive, Lee, uh, we've got a couple of mailbag questions. Uh, you sent out a tweet today talking about how diabolical this show was and just asking for questions and thoughts. Well, it was more inspired by how your tweets said yeah. what a diabolical show this is. And I said, yes, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my exact tweet was, good Jesus, this first 1999 Thunder is a slog to get through. Um, so we have a couple of, of thoughts and questions coming in here. So the first one is from uh, Steve McCullough. He says, The problem with Nash beating Goldberg and then the finger poke of Doom was not those two things in themselves. It was the fact that they did nothing to follow up on them. Discuss. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of covered that mostly on the Starcade, Starcade um, episode where we basically said pretty much that that yeah in and of itself Goldberg losing to Nash isn't the issue yeah. it's everything that follows yeah um like yeah that I won't touch on it too much because it's it's a very central point of the episode we're about to watch or we're about to discuss but yeah the finger poke of doom again an awful idea just an yeah an awful idea from inception the idea of putting the NWO back together isn't as bad an idea it's just the um the way they went about it yeah i'm um so the way i am i think on the starcade show i was saying that i i said kind of half of this where i said that like breaking the streak in isolation i have no problem with Mm -hmm. everything has to end eventually and there's that kind of tacit understanding that no streak has been ended in a truly satisfactory way in wrestling and you kind of just have to get over it and hope that you bounce back for it yeah that you have something planned next for the guy who just lost because losing a streak when that's been the defining character trait of your wrestler um it becomes a tough thing to get over like we've seen it time and time again like it really took a lot of the specialness out of undertaker when he finally Mm -hmm. lost the streak um um i was gonna say miro but rusev as he rusev as he was at the time ryback as he was at the time um do you remember, uh, this will take you back, uh, remember on NXT they had an undefeated gimmick going for two wrestlers at once? The Big Breakfast, Baron Corbin and Bull Dempsey were both undefeated. Oh, that's right, they had a match. They had a match, yeah. I can't even remember which one of them won, but uh, suffice I'm to say... Pre- I'm pretty sure it wasn't Bull. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Big Breakfast. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like... The streaks are like... They're good and bad ideas all at the same time. And yeah... I, as I said at the, the start there, I, I don't think ending Goldberg's streak is a bad idea necessarily. 
I find it hard to come up with a way in which the finger poke can be spun positively, but I mm-hmm. am of the I am of the belief that for almost every situation in wrestling booking, there is a way to give yourself an out and to to pivot into something positive. Now it may not be like set the company on fire again positive like Bash of the Beach ninety six, but you you could have made something interesting and there was definitely like there's definitely a feeling in the crowd tonight that there's still momentum on Goldberg's side. And if mm-hmm. you, like, you know, if you pivot one way or the other, we're still in a window for a few weeks here where you, you could do something following off the finger poke of doom. Um, That's positive. So I definitely agree with what Steve has said here. But, like, if I had the book, if I was Nash at this time, and I had the book... The breaking of the streak is something I might do, but the finger poke, I would never do. I would never put myself in that booking position to mm-hmm. have to pivot out of. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think we said this at the time, but the finger poke very much feels like Hogan's revenge on Nash for being the one to break the streak. Yeah. It's like, you know... Hogan always envisaged himself as the one to end the streak. Yeah. The fact that Nash got there before him while he wasn't around. And that's what seems to really have played into Hogan just refusing to play ball, I'm assuming. Yeah. If you got like if you got that, I get to have this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, just the most, and, like, and all of a sudden, Nash is back to being secondary to Hogan. Yeah. And that's something that, like, I have seen, like, audacious attempts uh, from some hot take merchants on Twitter to compare AEW to WCW in the, like, the hiring of former Fed stars mm-hmm. and things like that. But one of the things that is definitely absent from AEW that, really accelerated the decline of WCW is that in AEW you get the feeling and you hear from all the reports from people who talk to people inside the company that there is very much a united approach to like Mm -hmm. a rising tide raises all ships within that company there's nobody trying to hog main event spots or or anything like that Um, at least as of now you know, you hear of people like, you know, there was, you know, rumors of some infighting amongst the, the VPs about, you know, mm-hmm. certain Different directions di- yeah. and things like that. But in terms of like cycling through people in top slots, I think they've been really good at that so far. I mean, the one you might stay, say that kind of got a little long in the tooth was Jericho and that ultimately had a great payoff in the Moxley match. It did. And like, uh, for me, I always understood that like, he's the established TV star mm-hmm. when, uh, for a brand new program, a brand new brand and a brand new belt. It needs to be a lengthy the, reign. The championship was built off his name. Yeah. And he's still like, if you read those demo breakdowns that come out mm-hmm. every week, like he is still probably the number one TV ratings draw until this Friday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like I, I completely get why they would oh, do yeah. that. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and Jericho's um, also a guy who has like quite happily made himself look like an arse or done the business when the time was right. Um, mm-hmm. Always has been throughout his career, like um, in fairness. Um, but yeah, um, 
Yeah, I don't think I have any, anything else. No, to, I, I to think that, I, like yeah. I say, I think I think we very much covered like how we felt about it all on the mm. Starcade episode. Yeah, check that one out if you, if you haven't already back in the the podcast archives. Um, next up, coming from um, Alan Four L, uh, our friend and yours. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you didn't know what you know about the future, which guys on the roster would you have been most confident in having upward momentum in nineteen ninety nine? That is a very interesting question. So coming into the, the way I look at it is coming into that Nitro that we covered on the last show and this Thunder. If we were just there at the time in 1999, who would we have been most jazzed about having upward momentum? I think you have to. You kind of have to look at it two ways. You have to look at it as if you're looking at it as a smart fan. Mm. <sighs> You'd look at it this way that I think Eddie Guerrero has been a highlight of the show. Yeah. Oh well, his 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 segment on mm-hmm. the last show, like Irish. Um, Chris Jericho has been a highlight of the show. So they're they're instantly two guys that you'd look that are definitely have to have upward um, mm. momentum. Yeah. But if you're looking as a just a, and I hate the I hate the term casual fan. Yeah. Just just a guy who's just a fan, on Turner yeah. on a on a Thursday, yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know who you'd look at. Like would you look at Booker T? Booker would certainly be one. Um I was thinking Billy Kidman. Like, yeah. not not in terms of like a world heavyweight champion, but in terms of like he's probably the single and, best and the last and most consistently booked champion of the last few months. I was just gonna say in the last three months he's like kind of stepped up like being a lot more focused he's having really good matches he's having a good reign with the belt now mm. um and even on this show there's a line about how he's a champion you can be proud of and like mm-hmm. you look at his change from night early 98 as just a guy in the flock to like he's a guy who gets a pretty good pop now um especially like where the cruiserweight bar is for pops yeah i i think even just the, the regular viewer you would have to look at that main event scene and say, right, after the reset on January 4th, what's changed? And the answer yeah. is not a lot. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. No. Um, like Scott like, Steiner is right there. Yeah. Scott, but, Scott but is not, one of the other But ones. not quite, if that makes sense. Scott had that momentum, but now I feel like... He's been shoved to the back. Yeah, if I was just watching the show and if I didn't again like Alan said if I didn't know anything about the future that he eventually does become a main eventer mm. I would look at going one week from him being like a pushed act right under that main event strata mm-hmm. to being one of the guys in the NWO like just being one of Hogan's lackeys on this show I I, I would see him as being less over do you know, it's a strange thing to say, but I think winning the TV title kind of hurt his mm. his level of prestige, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it undid all the great work that winning the martial arts division had, <laughs> had built for him. Uh, and he is still our champion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, like, l- looking at it, there's not much. Is there? Like, like no. I said, it's Jericho, it's Eddie. It's Kidman. Yeah. And you kind of, even if you are just a viewer, you have to, at this point, know, what, 
four years into the Hogan era of WCW. Yeah. There, there is that ceiling. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, I'm looking at, like, so maybe people with upper momentum, um, like, it feels weird to say this, but, like, Savage is just back now. So, like, mm. he's getting a little, a little bit, a little bit featured, but he's, like, old news as well at the same time. Um, and then, other than that, it's people who are injured and not on TV at the moment that you're excited for them to come, like Sting, and like you're you're probably with the without the benefit of hindsight, you're probably excited for Brett to be back, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, 1999 was going to be Brett's year in WCW. I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough to it's tough like... to think of people. Would would you look at like the like we've said it the the um, reception that Conan gets at every show yeah is just enormous mm-hmm. and yet they kind of just leave him bubbling under the entire time yeah like it's yeah it's really not like he he's kind of a bit muted now until like I you know I'm probably forgetting some things but like it, I think there's something in the next week that comes up yeah but like I. The next time I think of him as like an exceptional standalone talent is when he just gets his own faction. Mm-hmm. Do you know what which, I mean? Which isn't until the summer. Yeah. Um, which I am looking forward to. But uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on from that one, we did get one in as we were recording this segment um, from the Then and Now Whatever podcast, friends of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you see Sting fitting in the NWO Wolfpack black and white reunion angle if he wasn't injured? Definitely agree with you lads that he greatly benefited from being off TV for this and just rebooting Crow Sting later on. And yeah, I like that that yeah. Ultimately that's the the point I stand on is that like him and Brett would be thanking their lucky stars they weren't around and just like hanging off Hogan or Nash's coattails this week yeah. on Thunder. Like, it really was so damaging to a lot of these guys in my eyes. Look look at where, we just said it, Scott Steiner has been put. Look at yeah. where um, the giant all of a sudden is. Look at um, Lex Luger. Yeah. Sting ultimately would have, if Hogan could have kept him in the group under his thumb, he would have. Yeah. But I think ultimately Sting would have been put in the Conan position of being the one kicked out. Yeah. Like I so yeah, that's what I think that if he was around, I think the so the thing that they should do and the thing that I think they would have done. And so the thing that they should do is have him be the one that like he draws the line at mm-hmm. shaking hands with Hogan and he goes his own way. And the thing they would do is, like... Attack him and turn on him. And... Yeah. yeah. Attack him, turn on him, or, yeah, do the thing where they, they flirt with him being involved for a couple of weeks, but they ultimately get the upper hand on him anyway and, and toss him out. He doesn't get to leave on his own terms. Yeah, he never he never actually turns. He just, because they attacked him, he turns, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, no, I, 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 I would see them wanting, like Nash and Hogan wanting Sting to essentially be on the level that Lex is within mm-hmm. this this reunified group, and that's not good for anybody. That yeah, like I say, I think if Hogan could have kept him in and kept him below him, he would have. Yeah. Oh yeah, he certainly would have made the play for that because it's it's fucking Hogan, like. Um, um. But yeah, no. Again. Sting is in the fortunate position of being injured, which is a rare thing to say. Yeah. Right. 
Let us move on to the actual uh, show itself. This is Thunder episode 45, January 7th, 1999 from the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Lee, quick temperature check before we go into this. Uh, Is your instinct that this was maybe in the bottom five Thunders that we've ever done? Yes. I don't know if I want to say number one. I don't think it was the absolute worst but it's definitely bottom five, yeah. There's it, one episode in particular, I think we called the episode, some episodes are better than others. That was just, I like, think, appalling. Yeah, that, that was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, sometimes a, an episode can be bad, but have some shining lights, as we've mentioned before. This episode just doesn't. And, like, every time... There's a couple of occasions where it looks like there's a brief glimmer of, you know, a good match mm-hmm. threatening to break out or then an interesting ends. segment, and then it just ends or, or you know, something worse happens. And, look, we, we'll get into that. Um, Probably the early foreboding sign of a bad show is that we opened with a long video package recapping the Bischoff and Flair feud. I'm uh, pretty sure they went back to like 1992 in this fucking recap. <laughs> now, look, I had I had like two reactions pulling away in my brain at this one. And like the first is, I mean, good, I guess, in as much as you want to make it a big deal that there has theoretically been this power shift uh, up in like mm-hmm. at executive level in WCW. And you did put it all this time into that angle into that feud and it is forming a basis for one of the most well-positioned matches that sold out next week yeah so i understand that in a way but it was four minutes longly it was it was a four minute video package Mm -hmm. and i have no earthly idea how you can't recap that feud in a two-minute video package I think you can. Yeah. But they don't want to because then no. they would have had to book more stuff. Yeah, they would have had to, like, they would have, oh, two minutes, you know, that's like, we need to, oh, what are we going to do? Give the cruiserweights another two minutes? No. Um, yeah, they, they're just like, fuck it. This show was very much timed out with the thought of, I don't want to do much on this show. Yeah. So let's just talk and talk and talk and talk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this was a a very, very talky episode of the show and not in a good way. There was very few people Mm -hmm. I actually want to hear from on this show uh, talking at length. Anyway, uh, we open the show and it's Tony, Brain and Tanae on comms. Um, Two things I noted at this. One that we talked about at the start, Lee, and that is it looks like the tenure of uh, Stagger Lee Marshall as a full-time Thunder commentator is over. So poor end, one end out. of an era, yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, that's something we forgot to do. Beers of Thunderly. I forgot because I'm not actually drinking this week. My supply is dry. <laughs> yeah. So I'm drinking for two this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. well, that's funny. Given your your recent news on the podcast, yeah, you can you argue know. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm just drinking a couple of couple of Guinnesses tonight. Nothing nothing special. Just yeah. It's been it's been a week. That's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, so, um, I'll miss, like, I look, so I love Mike tonight. 
And mm -hmm. I think Mike Tenay is a tremendously underrated uh, commentator throughout history. Um, hey, you know what AEW should do? Bring in Tenay for Rampage one week. Do you, like they're bringing back fucking like um, David Crockett came back Crockett, Croc, Crockett and Eddie Kingston as a commentary team on was it Dark Elevation oh actually we have to mention Eddie on uh, Dynamite a couple of weeks ago with Sting oh yeah where he puts his arm around him and goes that's fucking Sting mm, fucking Sting <laughs> yeah ah oh, great stuff Oh God, I love it. I was like, again, not to. God, I feel like we're really blowing smoke up Tony Khan's ass this week. But like, God, how well have they done with Sting? Like, just as Darby's dad, like the 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 gif of the two of them in the rafters this week was great. Mm -hmm. Giving that bit to Darby and um, a like a a moment that will live on forever is that 2.0 dude jawing at Sting and then getting fucking wiped the fuck yeah. out <laughs> by Darby. Oh, great stuff. Anyway. Anyway, back back to reality. Yeah. The other thing uh, I want to know is, holy shit, the sweet Thunder Polo yes. shirt. Yes. Yeah. Like, we've remarked before, we loved the, the Gen 1 Thunder t-shirts, the mm -hmm. grey ones. That we have eyed up on uh, on um, eBay, eBay before yeah. to buy for ourselves, and we still haven't bit the bullet on that. Um, but these blue ones, I think, are oh, an upgrade on that. I I think the only piece of gear I'd prefer is the Thunder hoodie. I have not seen the Thunder hoodie. So the the Ring Crew have Thunder. Oh, hoodies. sorry. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. No, I want Polo. That Polo is sweet. Yeah. It's really, like I don't even wear polo shirts, but I would wear that polo I, shirt. I'm gonna actually, Joe. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna DM or uh, at the uh, Shivani on Twitter. Ask him does he has, has does, he, does he has any any uh, yeah, yeah. thunder thunder uh, polos? Any thunder merch? Um, I was gonna say like we'd have to you know if there was ever a parallel universe where we did like a, a live show, we'd have to get the polo shirts for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, here he is. He's getting the photo. He's DMing oh, yeah. Shiami as, yeah. as we speak. <laughs> I'm going to see Shiami pictures online of uh, Shiami <laughs> in, the, in the Thunder Polo. <laughs> so um, they're talking about Bischoff having to be on commentary on Monday, which we saw in the video package. And Tony pointed out that, you know, he didn't ask for Bischoff to be under his command and then kind of takes a breath and goes, like, I mean, who would ask for that? <laughs> which is a great line. Um, the lads are... Uh, uh, and I suppose it's the appropriate reaction if you're acting like this is a shoot, but they are absolutely disgusted with the finger poke on Monday. Yeah. But it's funny because also I imagine these three men are legitimately actually disgusted oh, by yeah. it as well. If there's ever a combination of three men that would have been disgusted at that no matter what, yeah. it's Shivani, Tanay and Heenan. Yeah. There's got to be one of those moments for those guys. Like, you know, this is the year that really breaks two of the three of them. Mm-hmm. And you gotta imagine this is one of those like slings that just they're just they, like, they, they never forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. So Tanay said uh he's he was sick to his stomach watching at home on Monday, and I absolutely believe that to be true. <laughs> um we get uh a flashback to Monday and the finger poke and some footage from after the air, which is Goldberg back up with all the spray paint all over him. And at that point, Lee, many large men appear. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, um, it was the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> I knew you were going to make that joke. 
Um, yeah, there was a lot of um, Atlanta Falcons in uh, Atlanta on that show. But yeah. uh, where were they when Goldberg was getting his ass kicked? Uh, craft services, I assume. <laughs> Back in catering. Um, yeah, look, uh, it was Although just... maybe not, because they have an NFC Championship game coming up soon, said Shivani. So. Yeah. Did they win that? Who knows? Uh, who knows? It's not like there's some sort of easily uh, searchable engine It's a fake, sp- fake sport, anyway. Fake sports. Yeah, we're only here to talk about shoot sports, my friend. Um, <laughs> so the, the many large men appear and surround Goldberg and the ring, and Goldberg calls out Nash and calls him a coward. And I love this, right? So if it's just Goldberg, I'd be like, yeah, call out Nash and he doesn't come, you're a coward. But, like... I certainly wouldn't come out to... Well, I wouldn't come out to confront Goldberg. But I certainly wouldn't if the entire Atlanta Falcons team are out there ready to kick your ass. (laughs) As well as 40,000 probably drunk Atlanta natives who are still fuming about that main event. Yeah, it was probably for the best that nobody came on. It was one of those times where, you know... Cowardice is a weird word to use because I, I certainly actually. Do you know what they should have done that would have saved the crowd in that case? What they should have had Disco come out in his NWO shirt. Oh my god! Just have him be the sacrificial yeah. lamb. Yeah. Just eat I think, spears. I, for I the think rest that. I think that would have worked. Yeah. If like uh, even a couple of the Atlanta Falcons. So them. actually, that probably would have got over tremendously in in the building. Just having him eat shit to a spear. Yeah, like five minutes <laughs> of just eating spears. Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. Having him like teaching some of the guys how to do the the, yeah. the jackhammer <laughs> and stuff like that. It'd be great. It reminds me very much I don't know if I ever mentioned this on the show, one of my favorite squash matches of all time um was a SmackDown tag team match that pitched the Brothers of Destruction against Kai and Tai. I remember this match, yes. The match where uh, Booger Red himself tries to teach Kane how to do the last ride. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, if you've never seen this one now, I haven't watched this squash match in nearly 20 years. So Isn't that where Kane do starts doing the powerbomb? He does the fallout powerbomb. Yeah, so what he does is he's like, so <laughs> I think it's like Undertaker signals, like he does the last ride. Yeah, they did they, they did the double choke or the simultaneous choke slam. Yeah, they did the double choke slam, and then um he kind of signals on to do the last ride, and yeah, Kane gets him up for the power bomb, and as he said, like hoofs him up behind him onto the ground and just kills him, and fucking Taker's just like no no no, and then whichever yeah. one, I assume it was ta- I I think it was I think it was Funaki that Kane burned killed. Yeah, yeah, and then. <laughs> Taker's like, no, 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 and grabs Taka and does the last ride on him. And I was like, that was one of my favorite squash matches. Until Miro and Fuego del Sol, it might have been my favorite squash match. I, I watched Rampage last weekend with Connor. He's never seen Fuego del Sol. Yeah. He loves Fuego del Sol now. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, again, right, we're, we're, we're veering in on, uh, uh, on, on Jeff and Paul's territory yeah. here, I think. So, sorry, um, Paul. I won't apologize, yeah. Jeff. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never apologize. <laughs> um, so, next up, we have Mean Gene with the president, Ric Flair. Um, Triple-A superstar, Ric Flair. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Jesus. Ric Flair is in the house! <laughs> who would have thought our little podcast would get more current as time went on? Uh, it just keeps happening. It keeps happening. It's weird. Uh, Gene said Monday was a sham and a scam. Felt like he was going to go full Ron Simmons there for a minute. 
Um, and it's a damn. Yeah. Like, do, you remember that, do you remember that running thing in 2008 where it was like all those comedy skits where Ron Simmons could only say damn and things that rhymed with damn? Clam. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. where he went, where he um, where he went out on was it? A, he was on uh, a date with somebody, with Maria and yeah. Santino. Yeah. Uh, and he ordered ham with a side of yams. Yeah. <laughs> it's great comedy. I love Ron Simmons. Very World much. champion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Flair says this uh, wrestling and this building are all about tradition. He says that he knows their whole careers. He has walked behind Hogan, which I think is a very... Like, no, he said Hogan, Hogan believes he has walked, uh, Flair has walked behind him. Like, I guess in terms of stardom, like in worldwide stardom, that is true. But like in every other measurable metric. I don't know who, who was I was listening to before. And they were saying that, yeah, Hogan was the bigger star in the moment. But if you ever listen to like any like late ninety nine, early two thousands, two thousand ten rap, Nature yeah. Boy Ric Flair gets mentioned a lot. Well, he's the one who endures in a lot of different ways, like um not only in terms of cultural impact, um, but in as much as like within the business. Like mm-hmm. how many people are you seeing coming out here and they're going, Oh, you know, my I'm emulating Rick Flair, like the suits and the, yeah, it's always Rick Flair. Yeah. yeah. Like when people try to I like I, I, I think about the like as much as I have enjoyed a bit of his character work over his reign, like you look at Nick Aldous's NWA title reign, it's pure flair. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the suits and the like the strictly business and stuff like that. It's just like a like a considerably more low rent obviously uh flair um so yeah it's like it's weird that for like especially at the time no one had ever been a bigger global superstar in professional wrestling uh than hulk hogan and only you know one man in terms of as a an active wrestler has surpassed him since in in steve austin Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's not going to have nearly the lengthy cultural yeah. impact that the flair has also you know a terrible human being a dreadful human being um <laughs> but anyway um he he knows that nash thinks the old man can't go he says but 10 years from now they'll have to look at their kids and tell them what they did on monday he says nash will have to tell his two-year-old son in 10 years uh, what he did and then in maybe the highlight of the entire show him and Gene mock laying down for the finger poke and he gets Gene to count the count. three. And Gene just goes with it. Like, Gene doesn't question it. He's just like... Well, it's his boss. It's me. It's mean by God, Gene. He's going to do the business. Like, it's fucking brilliant. Mm. So then he says Luger sucks as well. <laughs> I love it. Just Luger, you suck, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone uh, anyone can run down the island to see 40,000 people. Now he turns his attention to Bischoff. He said he was silent all night long, but then he blew up at the end. He is to come to his office in the morning where they are going to figure out what to do with Hogan and Nash, and Ted Turner is going to be there as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, not like a top-tier flair promo. His clothes no. stayed on, but... Uh, in the context of what is to follow, probably one of the better segments. Yeah, the, he kind of, like it wasn't a bad segment. The problem is, it came 
after like nine minutes of intro. Yeah. And it's like it has the the laborious task of trying to set the stage for what's to come. They're trying to do the dirty work and clean up and rationalize mm-hmm. what was done on Monday, you know? Like Flair blames himself for the match taking place on yeah. Monday. And, you know, or Nash fucking tricked him and whatever else. Um, the true highlight of the whole promo is Flair screaming at a production assistant, you don't wrap me up, I'm the boss now. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, look, it's not an iconic Flair promo, but it's still, you know, Flair on my television, so it's 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 never... It's never bad. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so next up, we get a, uh, a Saturday night tease... And normally I'm the one who just uh, lists out who uh, was on it. But, Lee, one particular new tandem caught your eye. Hell yeah, it did. Yeah. We got Beautiful Chaos, Dave. Beautiful Chaos. Let's um, let's give a shout out to, was it uh, was it Tim? Tim Amel? On yeah, Twitter. I think it was came Tim that came up with it, yeah. Beautiful Chaos, uh, Bobby Eaton and Kenny Chaos are now a team on Saturday night. This, this is the payoff, Dave. Gone back weeks ago <laughs> to the to the <laughs> when high voltage explodes. I couldn't think of their name. <laughs> Iconic tag team. What were they called? Roid Rage. This is the payoff to that thing I forgot. <laughs> it was him and the other one, um, Robbie, Robbie, fucking Roid, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it wasn't a chaos to cut the promo yeah right right Robbie right their manager Decaterablon <laughs> <laughs> no he's from Ireland it's Deco Decaterablon Deco Decaterablon it was chaos that cut the promo wasn't it yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was Robbie that was Rick Steiner's partner. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. So <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think so. I, don't <laughs> I can't remember. Know, <laughs> you fucking shot my memory to bits with Robbie Roy's there. Um. So Kenny Chaos and uh, Beautiful Bobby are now Beautiful Chaos making their debut on Saturday night. And you know what? Uh, I want to see it. <laughs> Oh my god! I hope they're in the tag tournament that goes for the next three years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, more on that in a bit. Um. So yeah, the other people that are appearing, ah, who as well cares? As beautiful chaos are Norman Smiley, Mongo, and Bam Bam. Uh. Then we get the clip from Monday of Jericho buttering up the referee. Uh. By saying he should, you know, you know, you should put your foot down and you should DQ Saturn the next time he touches you. Blah blah blah. Next up, we have the cat with Sonny Ono versus Saturn. Uh, ominously enough, Tony Schiavone mentions the re- upcoming release of the Thunder PlayStation video game, uh, which is something, once we hit that official date, we will kind of do a little breakout segment and talk about that a bit more. Um, but yeah, that's coming up. This is the first match on uh, this week's Thunder Lee, 23 minutes into the program. Which would have been longer, obviously, in real time because they would have had, I want to say, maybe two ads. I think it was two commercial breaks, yeah. 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 Fucking hell. Like, honestly. this is, It's a third of the way through the show because the show runs about an hour 30. This is 2002 raw. Yeah. Bad. 
Yeah. Well, fucking Reign of Terror Triple H yeah. segment bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, fucking like, oh my god. And yeah, the the other thing is like, at least in in like two thousand and two Raw, you'd have a twenty minute Triple H promo. But then you were like, oh look, you know, the opening contest is like RVD and Shelton Benjamin or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, this is gonna be good. But you know, here we wait twenty three minutes and we get the cat. You know, mm-hmm. much as we love Saturn, there's only so much you can do there. Um, uh, so, do, do you know what? The cat's getting better. He's getting better, but it was a low bar to clear before. True. He was like, atrocious. It, is it to say, not that he's getting better, but he's getting less horrendous? <laughs> yeah, it's probably that. That's probably better. <laughs> 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 He doesn't. He doesn't nearly kick himself in the head trying to do his own. He anymore. he doesn't botch half as much is what I'm trying to say. Is that fair? No, maybe. The, uh, maybe maybe. <laughs> the, my, my thing is, well, he hasn't kicked an Armstrong brother in months, so I'm not interested. <laughs> So if he starts doing that, then we can talk. No, um, fair enough. So uh, this match, Lee, is 50-50. It should not be. <laughs> but, you know, that's just that's just me. Um, Saturn hits a, a big throw for a near fall. Uh, Sonny gets up on the apron. Saturn decks him and begins to stomp. But the cat attacks him. Saturn reverses with another suplex. Hits an almighty falcon arrow. Like he did the deal. In- it, yeah, did the deal. It like pretty much indents him into the mat with that falcon arrow, and nobody kicks out the falcon arrow. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Jericho was out to ruin things. He drags out Mickey J. Uh, while that's happening, the cat rolls Saturn up, and the crooked ref from Monday emerges, uh, and the cat wins. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So now Saturn is. I suppose he's in a feud with Jericho, but he's all he's made. He's in a, in a feud, feud with, with referee. the referee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not even Nick Patrick. And it, and there's no precedent for this being a thing where a referee can just, while another referee is conscious, just take it over the gig. This may stun listeners, but there's a couple of weird referee moments on this WCW program because <laughs> I have another one coming up later that I want to talk about. Um, yeah, awful, just fucking horrendous. And it yeah. takes them, what, like five attempts to get the right camera angle on the replay? Oh, uh, yeah. Jesus. And, and even then, you still can't see Dickinson count. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, members of the NWO uh, waiting, the black and white. The, the, the B team, yeah. Yeah, they're waiting by the, the entrance to the arena when the limo comes in and the wolf pack comes out. Uh, the Wolfpack complete now with Steiner and Buff wearing the black and red. Um, there is some wardrobe things I want to talk about when they come out to the ring that I have written down because we cannot not comment on a, a particular uh, World Heavyweight Champion's yes. uh, attire this week. But mm-hmm. we'll wait. Uh, my takeaway from this, uh, because we hadn't seen the full ensemble in this cli- in this clip, was... We're doing a tease of NWO family drama. Which, you know, them reuniting was supposed to be the end of. The more we move forward, the more we stay in place, Lee. This is literally, we started Thunder with NWO family drama. 44 episodes later, Mm -hmm. 
they're still doing it. And we should say they've been feuding with each other all throughout those 44 episodes. Yeah. All throughout, yeah, there wasn't like there was a period where they weren't feuding and they were like, oh yeah, maybe we'll get back together. They got together while they were still technically feuding. Mm-hmm. And now they're together, but also feuding. Who could possibly give a fuck? <laughs> um, we get a flashback to Lex's turn attacking Goldberg on Monday when we thought we could out to make the save, blah, blah, blah. Um, next match, Psychosis versus Kidman. This was one of those I mentioned at the start of the show where you think you're going to get brief respite, have a very good match. Um, unfortunately, it didn't last very long. Um, this is where Tanae has the line that, mm-hmm. unlike Hogan, Kidman is a world champion we can be all proud of. And that's cool. Yeah. You know? And and do you know what? They, they do a good job of really putting over Kidman in this match. For as brief as it is, they do say, like, you know, Kidman has really stepped up to the plate in the last couple yeah. of months. Starting the low-key two-year build to the Kidman-Hogan feud, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, my uh, my hopes of this being a quality match they were quickly dashed as uh, is that because Hoovy, the, the Nitro Girls came on the screen. <laughs> it's because Hoovy ran out and caused a DQ, <laughs> like within a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, then Ray is out to even the odds, and it would be one of those things where, in a, I don't want to say better book company because like it's still kind of a dumb way to get to this. But, you know, sometimes wrestling logic makes you think that, oh, these two guys have come out and interfered. This is where you want the authority figure to come out and go, okay, tag team match after the break. This is where you want Teddy Long to come out. You want to hear the Mac Militant jam play and then he's going to make it a tag team match player. And then that will be a very entertaining tag Mm -hmm. team match. But unfortunately, that's not what happens. Uh, Ray comes out to even the odds. He's only out there for a few seconds when the NWA... uh, NWA? NWA. (laughs) If only it was the NWA. (laughs) If only. Jeff Jarrett and Southern Justice. Fucking Billy Corgan coming out. (laughs) It's one of his fucking shite songs. Now I'm just... Can I just say, all-time baller... uh, carny move to name your pay-per-view after your new single when you're the owner of the company yeah i know (laughs) oh my god Um, like i'll tell you what if people didn't think billy was already a wrestling fan that's the most pro wrestling thing he's ever done (laughs) Uh, now i'm just imagining an interaction between uh billy corgan and uh kevin ash very much in the vein of billy corgan and homer simpson billy Billy corgan nwa No, I, I, no, do you know it'd actually be more like uh, Homer and Daryl Strawberry, <laughs> whereas like Billy Corkin is like, are you, you book a wrestling company? <laughs> are you, are you a better booker than me? I don't know you, but yes. <laughs> so. Uh. The NWO come out and like we know we're deep into uh, Nash booking territory because the uh, the cruiserweights are dealt with much like flies on a windshield. Um, the NWO take over the ring. They Hogan rip the LWO shirt off. Yeah, uh, it's almost like that's them trying to get that because you know obviously in a sane company the LWO thing would lead to a conflict and a money match of some sort no, with an, an NWO match nope. no. just fucking get it off this this fucking jobber bollocks get rid of it um, 
Hogan takes the mic. And now I think it's time to sit back, Lee, and bask in the resplendent glow of Hollywood Hulk Hogan's outfit on this night. My fucking Jesus, the divorced energy irradiating out of my television during this. Which is funny because he wasn't divorced yet. He wasn't, but like, oh my God, such divorce energy. <laughs> right. Baggy, he was, baggy shirt. Right, yeah, so firstly, he was wearing the, 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 the Wolfpack, Wolfpack t-shirt, t-shirt yeah. right? So he's wearing the Wolfpack t-shirt, a size too big. Yep. Now we'll go head to toe apart from that, because okay. I think that's the most obvious part of the clubber. A red and black Harley Davidson skull. wool cap. Yeah, skull cap. Skull cap. That just kind of, it wasn't even the logo. It was just the words Harley Davidson written mm-hmm. like around the cap several times. His, you've seen them before, his white rimmed shades. A flannel shirt <laughs> over his uh, over his Wolfpack t-shirt. You should say a flannel, flannel shirt that would have been too big on Mick Foley. It would have been too big on Mick Foley, yeah. And it, and it also, like, clashed horrendously colour-wise with everything else. Because it was, like, a green flannel mm-hmm. shirt, wasn't it? Uh, red and black t-shirt. And then what to say about these jeans? Firstly, he was wearing jeans, is your first point. Yep. Secondly, that you could have fit the entire NWOB team in these jeans. <laughs> Quite comfortably. Like a kangaroo carrying around the Joey in the pouch. <laughs> like just just Brian Adams and the boys popping out of the belt. I'm trying to think of uh like what would be the equivalent of um like a rocker kind of skater shop that um Hogan would have went into buying these would like a, a hot topic uh, originally would have been See like so they kind of they kind of look like uh you remember Jinko jeans. Right. They kind of look like that, but instead of like the the big pockets on them, they had like a line going up either leg that was like sequined yes. or had rhinestones on it. Like it, they did not look like anything you could buy. Yeah. Like look it, uh, if you don't remember them, Lee, like as we're sitting here, Google Jinko jeans, J N C O jeans. I I do and, remember them, but I'm going to yeah. yeah. We've seen people wearing them on the program, mm-hmm. but like it's kind of like instead of the 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 pockets, it's like this weird sequined line down the middle of mm-hmm. it. And they were again enormous jeans, fucking enormous. And he's got, like, a proper, like, formal black leather belt, like you'd wear with a suit. And then he's got white tennis shoes. Yep. It's just, it's one of the most stunning and not in a good way looks we've ever seen on this program. It may finally top casual cowboy Bret Hart. (laughs) And this this version of uh, Hulk is not going away anytime soon. No, and you know what? I'm kind of here for it because he's a laughing stock, and as we mentioned, uh, a ridiculous, awful human being. So I'm I'm happy to take opportunities to dunk on him. Well, should we say that now this this angle will continue a year long trait that we have seen of everything Hulk Hogan is involved being utter dog shit. Yeah, everything he touches turns to shit. So. 
it is, yeah, as you said, like, it is worth keeping that in mind, and it's something we will be hitting back on that theme every time. Um, but uh, this year will thoroughly vindicate us for our Hogan uh, reverse Midas uh, mm -hmm. theory. Um, so Hogan said that they had a classic on Monday, like being as sarcastic as it gets, so they had a classic on Monday. Nash was his toughest ever opponent, and they took tradition to a whole new level. Uh, they're taking over, and he lists out some of the guys that are with him, starting with Flexi Lexi, and then moving to uh, a phrase that knocked me clean out of my chair, Puffy Wuffy. I thought you said Buffy Wuffy. Oh, yeah, sorry, Buffy Wuffy. Uh, staggering. This, this is a cool guy in a, in a cool guy group. This is a cool guy. Referring to his cool guy friend as Buffy Wuffy. Thoroughly undivorced. My God. You can imagine though that stag t-shirt, can't you? Oh. Flexi Lexi, Buffy Wuffy. Yeah. Big Scott. Oh, they, would be the, they would be the most obnoxious gang in Temple Bar on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, I say that in the full awareness that we dressed up as the Thunder commentary team once, but we weren't nearly as obnoxious as that. We just kept walking around all day going, I think I'm going to get heat stroke from wearing this wig. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hey listen anybody that dresses up as uh, Lee Marshall is alright yeah um, <laughs> um, so uh, the end of your Hollywood guys come out then. oh actually uh, we, we forgot um, Hogan refers to this as an elite group of gentlemen <laughs> certainly one way to spin it and now I just want to refer to the NWO Wolfpack as the egg of professional wrestling I'll, yeah, <laughs> I just I just pictured that logo in the NWO font, <laughs> like just EGG. Instead of instead of a, a six um, a six pill ball on the back, it's just a big giant egg. Yeah, <laughs> but an egg with a handlebar mustache. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. the white shades. Yeah, we got to write this down for merch ideas. Um, the egg. Um, so yeah, the NWO Hollywood come down then, um, and, uh, what happened? So a giant, yeah, a giant ignores the call, so they're throwing up the two suites for giant and, and he ignores it. Uh, giant asked what the hell, he was waiting for Hogan backstage and they left him hanging. So there was a bit, um, during the backstage segment where Hogan said, we got to go do something sort out, was it like the Coca-Cola deal or yeah, something, something like yeah. that? So you guys just chill. Um, and then they came out and, you know, Hogan's trying to fob it off and say, look, that was just a situation. You know, we had to react to the situation that was going on in the ring and squash this LWO stuff. Um, Hogan says they think they might have a problem with the Giant and that Giant dropped the ball. Uh, Hogan says the Giant put them in a compromising position. They wanted to do this behind closed doors. There's only one room or sorry, there's only room for one Giant in NWO and Nash has never dropped the ball. Giant says he's the only giant, and that's why his name is the Giant. Thanks for explaining that, Paul. Good logic. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. It wasn't some sort of acronym, no. Uh, thanks. Uh, Hogan says if he can kick Nash's butt, he can take that spot. Neither man seems to have a problem with that, so on Monday they are going to have a match for membership of the Giant role of the NWO. Can, can I suggest they make it a triple threat match? Go on. And they make it the giant versus big sexy versus chocolate chip. 
Oh, versus Reese. No. Fatal four way. Nah. Fuck Reese. He was in the flock. He didn't he couldn't get over. He had his it's all, about, it's all about chocolate chip. It's his time. <laughs> I'm down with it. Um <laughs> then we have two the first of two incredibly bizarre yes. segments that I have like so I've read about these segments. Have you never seen I have these? I've never actually seen oh. them. And I'll tell you what. Might be a controversial take. Loved them. Yeah, I uh, this is the one the one good part of the show is these two segments. So this is Raven and Canyon at Raven's mom's yeah. house. These and this are is like, brilliant. So if you've never seen them, this was the most real housewives house you've ever seen in your life. I've never watched that show, but it is any of those shows, but mm-hmm. it is that aesthetic. Yep. And it's the mother and the grandmother yep. dressed in like their their power suits, sitting around drinking out of fancy glasses. Dressed like Carmela Soprano. Yes. 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 Yes, they are dressed like Carmela Soprano. The two of them. <laughs> yeah. And Raven is there looking miserable on one side, and Canyon is there the other side looking like he's having a blast. Canyon's just right. sitting on the couch next to the grandmother. And, yeah. and he comes alive when Chastity walks into the room. Yeah. So, right. Notes about this segment. Yeah. Number one, I would die to have this reality show be on air. I, I mean, whatever about, like, because this is, like, maybe a year before the Osbournes, or maybe yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. Of years before the Osbournes, this is the show. This is the show I want instead of that show. Okay, here, I, I'll, I'll give you a choice. At Home with the Ravens, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you can have At Home with the Ravens. Yeah. Or Steve Blackman, Bounty Hunter. Oh, fuck you for making me pick. Why can't I have both? Why can't we, like, get in the time machine, get in the DeLorean, go back, replace the Osbournes with this, and replace Dog the Bounty Hunter with Steve Blackman the Bounty Hunter? I would have no complaints. I mean, I don't want to say that would guarantee world peace, but I couldn't rule it out. <laughs> Could not rule it that out. That would be a butterfly effect. Ah, oh. So, yes, would live for this reality show. I loved the mom calling Scotty. Raven. Scotty. Brilliant. Chastity screaming at him, don't call him that. Yeah. So, yeah, Chastity, the sister, makes an appearance. Um, My other favorite thing about this, that was like, they never drew too much attention. So, okay, actually, no, there's two Canyon things I loved about this segment. Three Canyon things I loved about this segment that were all kind of low-key. First, him, him all of a sudden becoming much more alert, as you say, when Chastity yeah. enters the room and making the eyes on I- him. Ask her to come over and sit beside him, yeah. Brilliant. The second and perhaps my favorite thing about this whole segment was at one point noticing that <laughs> Raven's grandmother had her hand on the inside of Canyon's thigh for this whole segment. I did not notice that. <laughs> she just rested casually on his leg. <laughs> oh, I love it. Don't wonder you're so happy to be there. Oh, Grandma Raven was feeling her oats that night, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, and then the third thing was to so the end of this is like she keeps calling him Scotty, and he basically has. He goes a off in a hoof. T- like, he, oh my god, it was like fucking. Something Ke- I was going to say Kevin the Perry. 
Yeah, it was oh mum like basically <laughs> and he storms off off into the distance into like a rec room at the back and just sits down in a huff on the couch and Canyon just bounces over following him. The two of them are just sitting there having a sulk in the background as we go back to the show. And I was like, stick with this, stick with this for the whole night. Can- Fuck off going back to Thunder. Canyon is basically Perry, where he's like, Hello, Mrs. Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This is like, oh, this is one of my favourite segments. Uh, and there's another one to so, come. I'll tell you what, and the other one blew my fucking mind. Because, I, again, I have read about these segments. I completely forgot Did this you? second. Oh, my. I, oh, we'll, get we'll, get it, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'm so excited. I kind of just want to power through and get back, get to it. But anyway, uh, next match. This won't take much talking. Bam Bam versus Jerry Flynn. Blink and you'll fucking miss it because Jerry Flynn attempts a flurry at the start. He does his cool kind of slingshot kick thing over the ropes. Uh, but Bammer is just like, nah, greetings from Asbury Park and that's it. 10 seconds, bang, done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the official time on Cage Match was like 23 was seconds. It, yeah. So that'll tell you, yeah. Uh, Tony then starts raising the question as to in all this NWO reunion stuff, where has K Dog been? Uh, next up. We have Gene on the ramp with Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig, although they take their fucking time coming out. Um, they're wondering aloud, Lee, if it's worth it putting uh, Flair and his son's family and health on the line. Uh, I loved... Uh, I didn't... I wasn't wild about this segment, no. but I did enjoy... Uh, there was one point where Hennig fired up and said, what do you want me to do? Get Grandma Hennig out here to whoop your son's ass? Yeah, Gene, like Gene gets a bit snippy with them and is like, you two should be about tradition. You're second generation wrestlers. And yeah. that's when Henning fires, gets a bit fired up. Like, Yeah. Uh, Wyndham said the kid is soft and at the pay-per-view they're going to finish him off. Um, and then the only other good part of this uh, segment, the only part that I would describe as tremendous, which was as they walk off, you can see in the background Kurt Hennig miming <laughs> a broken neck. <laughs> so he goes, break his neck and then he's like we're gonna drag him off the ground it's <laughs> just miming away it's like oh my god he would be a great pictionary teammate <laughs> or a great charades teammate like his ability to non-verbally communicate you would be fucking uh, laughing with yeah. that guy okay um bruce cruz next up next yeah next up on our list of things oh so shout out as well someone was able to find us uh who was it in our mention uh so one of our listeners one of our newer listeners was looking for footage of uh wcw in oberhausen yes and uh it was found yes it's on youtube yeah unbelievably who would have thought to uh to look there i'm trying to scroll back now and find it. This, I should have been more professional about this. But unfortunately, our mentions are full of uh, Brian Clark tagging us. Not complaining. No. <laughs> Wild. I mean, he he wants to get the, the OT rub. But, I mean, who can blame him? Yeah. Um. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I, I do apologize. Going back through these fucking... Oh, here we go. Um. So it was from uh, Take the Take the Shot. Uh, who put it up and uh, the WCW Worldwide account found it. Takeover mm-hmm. 97 filmed and broadcast overseas but not a pay-per-view uh, and found the, uh, the the link to information about the show and the intro video on YouTube. So that was 
that's wild that we got some some information about this. Oh yeah, and then somebody uh, found yeah, it was Horror House Pictures then found the whole show. There you go. So that's uh, incredible work from the Thunder Buddies. But to add to the list of things that we need to source is if there's any footage of the upcoming Bruise Cruise. Is it in May 1999? You think the Jarrah Cruise was wild? Oh my god. I can only imagine. I imagine the fucking debauchery. If they went out into international waters. Oh my god. And if some of those like Nitro Party winners were people who had tickets, like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Although I imagine if tapes were made of anything, they were probably destroyed for legal Born, reasons. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, then there was a segment where, like, I was really starting to flag up my attention at this point, Lee. So I have no idea. Something happened with Hoovy leaving the building. Um, he's, run, he's running out of the building, and for some reason, Mean Gene is at the back door. Oh, okay. And that's it. he's just like, Where are you going? Where are you going? And Hoovy just says something about, they, they got to Eddie. And that's it. Oh, okay. All right. Um, next up, we have Disco versus Chavo, our own personal circle of hell, Lee. Um, I will say this, and this isn't part of my, you know, let's dunk on disco gimmick. And this is a good week to dunk on disco as somebody mm-hmm. was trying to book him uh, this week. But um, irrespective of my general thoughts on the man, this new shirt he has is horrible. Oh, it's awful. Awful. It's one, it's one of, I think it's like, there's another, there's another shirt that shows up later on in the show where I'm just like, the fucking graphics people in WCW are shockingly multi-billion dollar company owns them yeah yeah and their t-shirts are absolute dog shit they are do you know what they are they are the caliber of wrestling shirt that you find somebody has fucking thrown together and trying to sell bootlegged outside the arena before the show t-shirt print yeah absolutely and do you know that might be giving them too much credit (laughs) honestly i actually where was it i was in um I think it was in, I was in um, Santry in the Omni last yeah. week or two weeks ago and there was actually a t-shirt print shop and they had a knockoff John Cena shirt. Hmm. Interesting. And it was like, you can't see me, you can't whatever me, you can't. Yeah. And I was just like, that's awful. That's weird. Um, so, Pepe is in a neck brace. Um my main highlight about this match was uh, Brain had a tremendous line about I just realised something uh, Bischoff and Turner are having that 8am meeting with Ric Flair that's weird because normally he's only getting in at 8am <laughs> <laughs> I think so. it's at this stage he asks Tanae to bug the office and yeah. he's like you know how we all know that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tremendous <laughs> Uh, it's a very dull back and forth yeah, match uh, until Norman Smiley, who is more over than both of them, comes out, steals Pepe, and starts wiggling atop Pepe on the apron. Yeah, Norman is doing weird shit with a horse. Yeah, certainly is. That's a, that's a sentence. Um, this enrages Chavo. He attacks Norman. He tries to help Pepe off the ground because the neck break falls out. He turns around into a chart buster for the win. Shite. Yeah. Just no, our next, absolute nothing. Our next match is the opening match of the tag team title tournament, which is just, I think, an attempt to troll us at this point. You've already alluded to how long this shit spirals on for. It's at least two months, isn't it? I, I think so. And it's nearly like 
smothered here. It's like tri- triple elimination match. at some stage. Oh my god. So firstly, never been fucking mentioned to this point, and we watched Nitro as well. Yeah. No one brought this up that this was happening. They came up with this between tapings, basically. Have they even mentioned that the titles were stripped? There's no brackets before No, this? they literally mentioned in the Disco Chava yeah. match. There's no brackets. This first like this first collection of humans is the most thrown together. You look like you'd be in a team with this guy. Like you're not like God, there is no part of this which is the way I'd run the opening of a tag team tournament. As you said, brackets are number one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is uh, at least start the tournament. <laughs> at least start the tournament regular teams or do little backstage angles where it's like, oh, I hear this is coming up. Do you want to like team together? Blah, blah, blah. Make some sort of fucking interesting storylines out of it. Nope. Here it is. We find out that the tournament's happening while the first two teams are on their way to the fucking ring. Uh, it's Lismark Jr. and Super Kalo, who I am delighted to see both yep. of them as first time in a while on the show, versus Finley. Not so delighted to see him and Dave Taylor. C- complete fucking. You'd be disgusted oh. if you were Jerry Flynn, wouldn't you? Oh, it's complete dads for justice energy. Because here. Jerry Flynn was Finley's partner in yeah. the, the New Japan Tag League. Yeah. They had a match on Starcade together. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, oh. Finley is in a oh. new tag team. Unfortunately, Bam Bam spread his brain matter all over the 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 ring in the last match, so he's not available. But, like, um, surely you'd be saying, right, Finley and Jerry Flynn, they're after being a tag team in a tournament last month. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 Uh... Tanae describes the reinstatement of the division, which, like, I when he said the reinstatement of the division, I was like, the division had been gone. Yes. Like, I know we joke about how you know we never see the tour, the the tag team. I'm pretty titles. sure the tag belts were held by Giant for most of the year. Yeah, variations of the Giant and someone that didn't want to be partners with the Giant. Um, we also had uh, Rick Steiner and Judy Bagwell. Um, Robbie Royd. Yeah, Robbie Royd. Um. Yeah, I didn't know it was like legitimately gone. I don't know if it even was legitimately. You know, I. It I, I think, seems I think like a they thing. say at one stage they invoked the Torty Day rule. Yeah, they mentioned that, but they didn't mention who was the champion. It's. They just said the 30 day rule. I'm pretty they sure it's R- Rick Steiner and Robbie Royd. Yeah, no, I think it they is. They were the last time that we saw them. They didn't, they didn't fucking mention who it was. But they also never told us that Steiner. Or Steiner, why they didn't. Yeah, they also never told us that Steiner and Judy weren't the tag team anymore. Yeah. Yeah, all this we never got to see Judy Bagwell tag team champion really. Thank fuck. I mean, I I, I would have gone for it. Uh, um, so more about you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so they mentioned it's a flare initiative, and um, they bury Bischoff for not caring about tag wrestling. And I'll tell you what, absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bischoff did not care, and as would be borne out over ninety nine, the company. Do you know what they should? Do you know what they should have done here? What? Flair is in charge for for ninety days. Ultimately, the Horsemen are going to be healed by the end of those ninety days. Yeah. If they had a thought, because of course, yeah, well, obviously, you know, super baby faces. Of course, you have to run the yeah. deal. Um. If they had thought about this, they should have had Flair like kind of say to Aaron backstage, right? I want you to oversee the tag division mm. and bring back tag team wrestling. Yeah, and you lead it to Aaron 
Oh, you, you, like a t- you can like do a whole thing where Aaron I'm gets the belts him on as the, Benoit and Malenko. Yeah, I'm appointing Aaron as the tag team representative on the championship committee, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and Aaron screws it so that Benoit and Malenko end up as champions. And, and it also gives Aaron something to do every few weeks, mm-hmm. like come out and just cut an Aaron promo, and I'm down for that. You know what I mean? And it also like you know. Even when the horsemen then eventually do go away again, that you have the the in for Aaron to start mentoring different people, mm-hmm. and you know. Ugh. Anyway, um, this match there's about forty five seconds in this league where I thought this is a tonic, and it was all Lismark. That's why it was all Lismark. Uh, Lismark is just like such an upswing in quality on this show. He's so good, and we see so little of him. So like uh, of all the the luchadors that we kind of started off with in in 98 like the super colos and the 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 damians and the 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 fucking uh who else like the silver kings and some of that we've seen liz mark jr by far the least Mm -hmm. and he may well be like the smoothest hand of the lot of them especially of the veteran ones anyway um and yeah there's about 45 seconds in here where he's working with finley and working with taylor and it's just like Ah, wrestling. Maybe yeah. we'll get a nice tag match here. Nope. Um, finishes anticlimactic. Taylor. It, it 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 seems like on a show where they were again, WCW are so guilty of this. On a show where they seem to be just killing time all night, it very much felt like this one needed to be cut short. Mm-hmm. And that they were already running behind. So Taylor just tags in uppercut. Uh, he ducks a rebound crossbody from Lismark, hits a butterfly suplex. I, I, I'll tell you what, this was cool, the, the the actual move that finished it, because he hits the butterfly suplex and just rolls over into a mount and a pin. Yeah, it's almost like into a butterfly lock, but it's a yeah. pin. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, look, it, was, it was new. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I was like, yeah, cool. Uh, so immediately at the end of this, the NWO floods the ring again <laughs> and beats up everyone again. Because 1996 and, is now 1999. Yeah, not like so. Yeah, as I said, like not only earlier were we repeating Thunder stuff from '99 or from '98. Now we're repeating stuff that happened 20 minutes ago, yeah. as well as as you pointed out three years ago. It's like fuck's sake. So Scott Hall gets on the mic this time and he says tradition bites. He says the reason there's no tag team wrestling on Turner is because the outsiders couldn't be beat. But I was just like you weren't the champions i don't think not since 1997 yeah um and they're insisting this tag team tournament will not take place so what they're doing is is here basically everything about this segment is actively trying to make you less interested in a tournament you just found out about yep they're not telling you who's in it nope they're not telling you how i don't even know how many teams are in they never said yeah Right, uh, you do a match with two teams that are not established teams, so you have no emotional investment. With three people that have not been on television in conservatively three months. Yeah, there is a. Is this the first Dave Taylor match we've had on Thunder? I think he had one Nitro if, match. I was going to say, if not the first, it's one of two or three. Yeah, because I know we had a run with Chris Adams. We had Chris Adams a good few times. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think we've had Dave Taylor on Thunder. I think one night tonight or maybe anyway getting sidetracked um, yeah two teams that aren't established as working together and then the final kick in the arse after like the opening match of the tournament is nothing special and finishes abruptly 
you get the NWO coming out and basically telling you when these matches happen, we're going to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. We're going to come out and interfere in these matches. Or even if a team gets over and wins that you like, we're going to come out and beat them up. Like, honest to God, Lee, what was the fucking point in any of this? Heat, apparently. Yeah, it's a little thing called heat. Yeah, no, it, it's absolute bollocks. And it's just, it's one thing that really annoyed me on this whole show is just the incessant NWO is NWO of 1996 all over again, except they were red now. Yeah. Come on, guys, we're still cool. That That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Oh, God. It is like it's the reunion tour for a band that had a great first album and then produced shite for 20 years. The Darkness. Yeah. Oh, shots fired. Although, to be fair, The Darkness did like, uh, they did a gig in like a restaurant about five minutes from my house. So I'll tell you, like a pub restaurant, but a restaurant nonetheless. Um, next match, La Parca versus Booker T. And La Parca has entered full boogieing mode. I've, I've never saw the man dance more on this program <laughs> than he than he did in this one. And I, you know, I'm 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 down with it. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, he's all in control early until a lariat nearly takes his fucking head off. Um. In perhaps the greatest insult ever delivered to the nation of Mexico, uh, Bobby Heenan refers to La Parca as a Mexican disco inferno. I knew he'd, I knew you'd bring that up. Yeah. Now he tries to rationalize it by saying he's a guy who dances a lot, but is actually a very talented wrestler underneath it. But I like this slander will this aggression will not stand, Lee. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not a great comparison to make. No. Uh, and I'm not sure if La Parca had overheard that, that Bobby wouldn't be leaving with a chair wrapped around his head going home that night. Uh, we get... Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, the, the next thing up is the uh, 110th Street Slam, which is fucking hellacious. <laughs> yeah, so he hits the axe kick and then he does his 110th Street Slam and, like again, another man's head buried into the mat on mm-hmm. this show. It was hellacious, as you say. La Parker recovers from that somehow uh, and clotheslines Booker to the outside. Uh, La Parker tries to involve a chair. Booker fights it off. He picks up the chair again, but turns into the Harlem sidekick straight into the chair and his head. Um, good finish that worked for both yeah, characters, worked, yeah. I think. You know, The fighting spirit of Booker versus the insistence on dancing and using chairs for, uh, for La Parker. And uh, Bobby Heenan ended this segment with the maybe his best line on commentary, where he's like, you live by the chair, you get beat by the chair. And now it's time for the highlight of the show. Oh my god. This segment. You need to set the scene on this one. You, you, you so, of course, have not seen this, so I'm going to let you lead the way on this one. So we're back at the real housewife's house. We're, we're poolside now. Mm-hmm. And um, so the mother is there. Yep. The grandmother is there. Mm-hmm. The sister is there. Canyon is, has got the like the, the, the pool net for cleaning the pool, like Tony Soprano style. You know, you want to talk about the mom being yep, Carmela. Yep. This is him being Tony. Stand up. All it's missing is the ducks. Um, so he's taking the leaves out of the pool. He's essentially like, I wonder, like, is that like the hidden backstory of Canyon? Is that he was like the pool boy at the Ravens' house? Uh, That's how their friends have all who's having, who's had uh, a long-standing affair with the grandmother. 
Um, Maybe. And Raven is sulking around shirtless. And uh, a friend of the family calls over. They, they, no, they mention that James is on his way across. James is on his way across. And um, um, James arrives. And um, he's instantly, instantly hostile with Canyon. Yeah. Yeah, instantly hostile with Canyon. And you don't... The thing is, right, for about maybe three to five seconds... You don't realise who it is, do you? You don't realise who it is because you can see the hair. You can see the slick back blonde hair. But the mannerisms and the wardrobe, it's like your brain can't accept who this person is. And you hear the voice. Then you hear the voice. And, like, it's a slightly, like, more... uh, how would you say it? Uh, clear, sober version of this voice. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, hold on a second here. And I-, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> it's the fucking Sandman. <laughs> yep. Human <laughs> music. Because the Sandman is in WCW. Enter Sandman. He is... In like, um, like khaki shorts, yeah. <laughs> like mustard polo, mustard polo, and reading like, glasses, the, reading glasses. Does he have the jumper around no, the neck? No, I think he oh, just has the polo like, in my head. Um, he has the polo, and like, he just looks like a middle-aged Florida man. And it's James. And he's, and it's, his name's James, and then he walks over and he's schmoozing. No, with no, the hang woman. on, you missed the best part. So he he comes. Sorry, ca- into, because I was nearly in a coma when I saw he, it. So I might the salient details might escape. He me. comes into camera shot by Canyon as Canyon is skimming the pool. Yeah, and it's like he sees Canyon and Canyon oh, and, yeah, Ca- and Canyon goes Jim. Yeah, and he goes Canyon. And of course, the, the mother and grandmother see him like James. Oh, welcome, you know. And um, he goes, oh, you know, he gets all schmoozy. And as he's walking by Canyon, <laughs> in the most like nineteen eighties rom com fashion, pushes Canyon into the pool. Who takes the best, most exaggerated, saved by the bell esque bump into the pool. And do you know what I, lo- I love so much about this? Because it held true to one of the unwritten rules of wrestling. If there is a body of water, somebody has, has to, yeah, to go into yeah. it. Um, Chekhov's pool. So Canyon takes the bump into the pool. The, the mother and grandmother get pissy with Canyon for jumping into the pool that hasn't been properly skimmed yet. Yeah. Um, James is all of a sudden over schmoozing. Um, mother, I'm just going to let you have Mother, mother and grandmother I'm raving just... while... Ca- Chastity is disgusted at James being here. Um, Scotty shows up without his t-shirt. Gets into another argument with his mother. Uh, And I'm pretty sure the grandmother has her hand under the table. Uh, Yeah. And I'm going to have to go back and watch because you've put this into my head now that there's definitely... (laughs) That she was just copping a feeling. She's definitely definitely getting a bit handsy. But he he called... She was was reaching for the cane. (laughs) That's a stiff shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm 
fuck it, let's recontextualize that dreamer segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Scotty gets into an argument, walks off into the sitting room or somewhere, back into the den to, to, to uh, sulk again. And James's thing is, oh, let me talk to him, let me talk to him. He always listens to me. Yeah. And off he goes. But I actually I forgot to mention they asked James how's the family. Yeah. And he mentions yeah. his daughter his real life daughter's name. Yeah. And he mentions Tyler. Yeah. Tyler Fullington is a character in ECW yeah. and WCW. Shared universe. Right up there with Lois Shivani like, is just transcending companies. This is just ah. Oh. Just Easter egg laying. It was perfect. It's, it's so good. Like, it's so bad because it's, you know what I mean? But it's so good. When, it's when so you good. Can, you imagine being in 19, late 1998 on the Observer fucking site or reading Observers yeah. and they say James Fullington, or sorry, the Sandman, bracket, James Fullington, has signed with WCW. Would you have imagined him being debuted like this? Nope. Not in a million years. I was trying to think of, um, we mentioned their show earlier on, but imagine being Joe Lanza in 1999. <laughs> it was like hardcore attendee of ECW shows. I mean, a huge fan. And then sitting down on Turner, hearing that he's signed, watching your Ravens segment, going, oh, this is a piece of shit. And then fucking oh, do you know what? James. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him in the Slack. Oh, could we get an official comment from Joe Lanza? I'll, I'll try and have him the for, the, for the next, exactly. yeah. Oh my god, that would be amazing. I'll try. I'll, I'll bring it up in conversation. Because holy shit, holy shit, I lost my fucking mm-hmm. mind during this segment. Glorious. Oh, I was like, I was like, will I just stop watching now? Because <laughs> there's no way are these last couple of matches going to be any good, and they weren't. But this is this is the absolute peak. I don't know if 1999 gets better. I don't here, think it does. To be honest. Ah. Oh. Right. Um, Jericho then making his entrance for the next match, but as he's doing it, we cut backstage to the corpse of Leparka, who has a spray paint outline and NWO logo on him. Don't you love it when the murderers make it easy for the police and do the chalk outline before <laughs> the police even arrive? Just save them a few minutes. We should note that's three LWO members that have been murdered. Yeah. Um, so then we have Jericho versus Conan. Uh, Jericho jumps Conan during his uh, his his promo, his usual regular promo. Uh, the commentator realizes realizes like a couple of minutes in here that it's the the crooked ref mm-hmm. from the Saturn match that's involved here. Uh, lots of gratuitous close-ups on Ralphus during this match. It has to be said, um, one including where he's looking at the roof. He's just looking like I was like, did I miss something? Like, did he do an interference thing and he's just pretending? No, it's just Ralph no, he, was spaced he, he, out and was looking at the roof of the Richmond Coliseum. He's just goofed, yeah, yeah, and like not even staring for a second. Like for a good five seconds, he's just looking at the ceiling. So weird. Um, this was also the match where it was most apparent that the commentators just checked out yeah. completely. Oh, they're they're, they're totally done, about, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jericho forces a ref bump and then punches Conan with a loaded fist. Uh, Saturn comes out to threaten the ref. 
Uh, Conan hits the face buster and Saturn counts the pin. That's right. The ref was bumped and Saturn counts the pin. And you're like, okay, look, we've seen that before where somebody, you know, the match isn't on and they count the pin and, you know, it's a, like, it's a, uh, a hollow victory. Mm-hmm. But the thing, this is the second weird referee thing I was going to talk about on this show, is that Saturn counts the pin and they ring the bell <laughs> and announce Conan the winner of the match. Maybe he has a dual contract. Yeah. Who are we to know? Now, now <laughs> Hina, like, I was just like, Conan is the winner, the crowd pops, the, the other commentators are talking about, and Bobby Heenan, the only man who's not on crazy pills in the entire building, was just like, he is not a referee. Yeah. He is not a referee. <laughs> over and over again. And no one else seems to be bothered by it. And like, and even Tony is just like, well, do you know what? They're even now. And he's like, no, they're not, because he's not a referee. At, at this point is when Bobby just went, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, this makes no sense, and I'm going to point that out. Next, we have our, our main event, and that is Chris Benoit versus Barry Windham. And I like, there is a window of time in both of these men's careers where this would have been a banger this wasn't this know? wasn't that window this wasn't that window that window is shut yep. in 1999 for Barry Windham um, and again this is where I put it what is going on with the shirt designers in this company because that the four horsemen are like one of the coolest groups in the history of wrestling and they have a fucking lame yep. ass shirt here um, going up against the NWO and that's the shirt to give them yep uh, Tony says that he told HR about Bischoff's performance on Monday and that it cannot be allowed to go on. And he's like, look, I took no satisfaction in doing this, but it's part of the job. We have to do it as managers, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, HR management talk and management talk is really what people tune into their wrestling oh, yeah, for, yeah. I gotta say. Absolutely. Um, all aggression for Benoit early. Like, there was a brief glimmer where I thought, oh, this might actually turn into something, like, passable because he's chasing Wyndham around and just clubbing and chopping the shit out of him. And then the two of them have a standing chop battle, which I'll always lose it for a standing mm-hmm. chop battle, you know. Um, Back in the ring and a very, very awkward-looking throw and suplex from Benoit that Wyndham just decided, I'm not, I'm not going up for yeah. that. <laughs> Didn't look good. No, uh, gut wrench from Wyndham and then back outside. Like this seemed to be like they were calling it on the fly, and Wyndham didn't really have. He any didn't want to do anything. Yeah, yeah. So they went outside the ring, then they went back inside the ring, and Benoit runs clean through him with a clothesline. Another ref bump, uh, a German suplex that once again Barry Wyndham did not go up for. Uh, Hennig runs in, but he gets caught in a crossface. Uh, I always love that spot when someone just runs, runs into, into the crossface. Yeah, I, it, it I, is I, a cool I'll spot. I always love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wyndham recovers while this is happening, kicks Benoit on the head, and apparently kicks him so hard that he's able to roll him up with tight assistance and wins. Um, yeah, whatever. It's just, you know what, for me, it's just such a bad match for a main event on a show. Yeah. And then Mongo is immediately in so quick that he'd obviously started running down the ramp before... Like, His cue. Um, before, yeah, before Hennig was even apparently in the yeah. ring. Um, so he attacks Wyndham. Mongo clears house to save his pal. I will say Mongo looked like, you know, the, the, the kind of powerhouse of the mm-hmm. horseman here because he was able to easily clear house on both men. And we end the show with the horseman standing tall. What do you think of this main event segment? I thought the main event segment sucked. I think Barry Wyndham and Kurt Henning are cold as shit. Coming into this yeah. pay-per-view in 10 days' time. Um, 
I think the horsemen have been killed off to an alarming degree. Do you think there was a period during the run of our show where we were super into Rude and Hennig, and it feels like it's been a million years yeah. since that? And well, uh, you know, real life circumstances, but yeah, obviously, um, yeah, no, like it's just Wyndham and Henning don't need to be NWO associated, which they won't be for very much longer, which is fine. Yeah, but they just feel so cold going up against the horsemen oh, now. Just. Just feel like also Rams. Yes. Just feels like we're giving you this little mini program with these guys that we don't care about to keep the horsemen busy until we do something mm-hmm. else or figure something else out. Um, bad end to a bad yeah. show, Lee. Uh, overall thoughts on the show, winners and losers, please. I thought the show sucked. I thought there was way too much NWO shit. We're back to NWO drama, which is bullshit. Um, yeah. There was no really good wrestling on the show. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll try to find positives. Lizmark. Liz. Mark. Liz <laughs> yeah, God. Anytime you get to see Lizmark, he's good. Um. I guess we're gonna get new tag team champions. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, Don't hold your breath. Kidman. Like I, I, honestly, like the, yeah. there's not much to cling to. It was. It was an absolutely horrendous program, and our favorite segments, the the stuff with Raven and the family we love it in an ironic way. Like if I was invested in Raven, the character being a, like being that, that serious, enjoyable, captivating presence that he was throughout 1998. Mm-hmm. If I'm watching this in 1999, I'm really fucking mad about yeah. it. And if I'm uh Joe Lanza, a big ECW <laughs> fan, and I'm seeing the way they've chosen to debut the Sandman, I'm really fucking mad about yeah. it. But because we are clawing to find anything remotely entertaining and we have the benefit of hindsight and know that no matter what they do, this company is fucking doomed. We might as well enjoy it. We'll put it over. (laughs) Yeah, we might as well enjoy it because, hey, it wasn't just like I would take this over the interminable five minute matches that just end in a fucking ref bump or interference. It's better than having to watch a fucking Vincent and Brian Adams tag team match. Yeah, like ref bumps, you know, I... When there's a lot of ref bumps, I usually hate it. But, like, sometimes if the product is hot or I'm invested in a wrestler or an angle, I can wave away ref bumps. Mm-hmm. You know, I've waved them away watching WCW before. I've waved them away watching WWE, watching AW, watching any number of promotions. But when you have a product that's starting to turn cold on a show that's just horrendous already, and then you start doing, like ref bump shit interference constantly um the like the one thing i'll say is that like i suppose the only refreshing thing about the main event is that it it was like actually no because it it was nwo interference Mm -hmm. technically still even though they're only very peripherally related so that's not even refreshed that they managed to have a match that sort of wasn't nwo still end in an nwo interference bit yep so yeah so yeah winners and losers he had started listing some winners there us being the losers is the easy one but uh, give us Liz Mark and Kidman come out to show the best and it's not for any real reason Um, the losers I mean the LWO has just been killed off it's dead Mm -hmm. it's yeah um I, I couldn't disagree with you on there. Uh, from our 
finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga, we had eight matches, three clean finishes, one DQ or count out, three interference leading to a finish, and one non-finish because I don't count a Saturn endorsed <laughs> victory as a referee. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that brings us to an end of another episode of Days of Thunder. Thank you so much uh, for listening into us again. Tell your friends, tell your enemies uh, about the program. Uh, make sure to check the show description for uh, links as to how you can uh, donate to PWOM this month and get your own very uh, special episode of the program. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter, and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past, like the world cast, through the years in the International House of Combat, to wrestling of the present, with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story, and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine, and the Truth, and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you